from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to join us tonight, our telephone number here at the Late Night National Town Hall conversation is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, uh, the big news today uh, is that yesterday... Goldman, Dan Goldman, was sweating like a pig. Now you're wondering, why, why aren't you talking about the big news? Well, I'm going to get to the, the big news. But the problem is the reason that's big news today is because Devin Archer testified yesterday and because Devin Archer was saying all these things like, no, yeah, no, I definitely talked to Joe Biden about business dealings when uh, it was clear that we heard that he'd never done that, right? And uh, they had denied that a million and two different times. Matter of fact, uh, I've got uh, cut number one, cut number two. Cue those up. I'm probably going to use those. But Joe Biden said that he didn't do anything. And as we start to get some traction where the American public can now hear a business, a second business associate of Hunter Biden's going on the record in a transcribed interview with uh, in a deposition with, you know, the um, uh, committee in Congress. All of a sudden, it's time for Jack Smith, the United States attorney who um, for the Hague and for war crimes and whatnot, who's serving a special counsel. It's now time for him. He's decided, well, today we're going to do yet another indictment of Trump. Today they're indicting Trump for January 6th. Now, my position is not to to say, look, I'm a fanatical person that thinks that nobody can do any wrong. Uh, By nobody, I mean Trump. No, that's not the case at all. I think the big issue here is how do we continually allow our system of justice, the Department of Justice, to continue to violate their own rules. It's them that have said we're not going to interfere in uh, or investigate you know, political candidates during a campaign because that might potentially interfere with an election. But now they're happy to indict him a first time in New York, a, a second time at the federal level, a third time at the federal level, And uh, we're expecting a fourth one in Georgia. And the idea, of course, is to say, look, there's all these charges against this person. So uh, obviously he's done something wrong. Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? That's uh, the uh, the old saying. But the reality is it, it we have to take into consideration that that's a political tactic, a tactic that's used to to do exactly that, to cast aspersions, to sling mud. Anyway, Jack Smith. Um. He made this um, grandstanding speech today uh, where he announced the charges in the indictment against Trump for January 6th, uh, in my opinion, casting, um, you know, his opinion on it, saying it was an attack on democracy and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he sounds like the, the craziest in the news media. But I want you to listen to Jack Smith. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. 
The indictment was issued by a grand jury of citizens here in the District of Columbia, and it sets forth the crimes charged in detail. I encourage everyone to read it in full. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement who defended the U.S. Capitol on January 6th are heroes. They are patriots and they are the very best of us. They did not just defend a building or the people sheltering in it. They put their lives in the line to defend who we are as a country and as a people. They defended the very institutions and principles that define the United States. Since the attack on our Capitol, the Department of Justice has remained committed to ensuring accountability for those criminally responsible for what happened that day. This case is brought consistent with that commitment, and our investigation of other individuals continues. In this case, my office will seek a speedy trial so that our evidence can be tested in court and judged by a jury of citizens. In the meantime, I must emphasize that the indictment is only an allegation and that the defendant must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. So there's Jack Smith. Now, listen, I'm biased, right? Clearly, I'm biased. I'm not a, a fair arbiter. I don't like this guy. I don't like the way he sounds. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way he sounds extremely nervous, almost conniving in his delivery of this speech. Uh, but that's just me, right? It sounds like, you know, if you had to envision this, and I did watch the video, he was not wringing his hands, but he almost sounded like he was wringing his hands and licking his chops and swallowing every 10 seconds so that, you know, he, he was really salivating over this moment. But also the word choice that he used, the overly dramatic uh, positioning that he used here to really an attack. And, and the men and women, th- this was not an attack on men and women, although th- that did happen. He's, he's charging Trump with conspiring to get people to go there to overthrow the election. And in so much, there was the resulting action was that some law enforcement was put in a difficult position. And listen, I don't want any law enforcement put in a bad position ever, even though that's the job. Like I've told you a million times, my, my brothers uh, were both NYPD. I went to the Essex County College um, Police Academy. I did the three-month program to serve as uh, part of the police auxiliary, and I was going to go back to become a what they call an SLEO, special law enforcement officer, just to be able to give back to my community because I already had a job in government at the time, a full-time job. But I, I support the men and women of law enforcement. But I, I can't sit here and, and say that I believe that Mr. Smith is going to be able to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that Donald Trump conspired with anybody to do that. He, how is he going to prove conspiracy, uh, that, that there was this intention to get people to go and hurt people when there's evidence to the contrary? I, I mean, I just can't imagine uh, if he's just going to get a, you know, a handful of these, these crazy people that are like, I thought Trump was telling us to go and kill Mike Pence. I, I mean, I may have heard those people, but I heard everything Trump said, too, and I didn't think he said that. So I think this whole thing is crazy. But 
It's going to be heard by a jury of his peers, not his real peers, his peers in Washington, D.C., because that's where they brought these charges. And that's where this offense happened, allegedly. And uh, the judge, of course, um, one of um, Obama's favorite picks. And again, I, I, I agree with the previous guests on this program where they don't want to say it's an Obama judge or a Trump judge or oh, this judge or that judge. I think it, it's interesting to see which president may have nominated them. But I also understand there is a lot of um, deals that go on where people say, look, I'll do this for you and then uh, I'll give you the next judgeship that comes up. So it's not really my pick. It's your pick, but I'm doing it. And McConnell's done those deals as well. So anyway, that's that, right? You've got this whole situation with Trump being indicted. I think we've talked about this ad nauseum. But we, what we haven't heard is about Hunter, and we haven't heard about Joe. So we're going to get to that as we uh, progress through the evening. Um, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about uh, some ESG as well. I also want to talk about The Sound of Freedom, right? That's a movie that's out. And uh, I won't get into detail on the film, but I do want to talk about how a podcaster who's a former Navy SEAL, Sean Ryan, he did an interview with Jim Caviezel, the um, star of the movie, played Jesus some years ago and uh, in The Passion of the Christ. And he put the, the interview up on YouTube and YouTube removed it. Why? Well, because that's what YouTube likes to do when you don't play nice. Uh, they're coming up with some runaround, but we're going to get him on because while they're trying to prevent people from seeing it on YouTube, we're going to make sure that you five, six and a half million people that are listening right now, we're going to make sure you guys hear everything that Sean Ryan and Jim Caviezel talked about. So don't go anywhere. We're coming back with him right after this. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And I want to jump into this conversation, right? Because YouTube has censored the, the interview that former Navy SEAL, he's host of the Sean Ryan Show, Sean Ryan, and he's terrific. And he puts this interview up with Jim Caviezel, the star of the movie, The Sound of Freedom. And lo and behold, YouTube decides to censor them. Now, it's no surprise to me. We've seen this happen time and again. But we're seeing it more and more lately, in particular on this topic of child trafficking. So I said, you know what? I want to make sure we get to the bottom of this. And Sean Ryan's with us. Sean Ryan, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You bet. Thank you, sir. So uh, tell us, um, how did this go? How long, I, I know you got a bunch of views on it. It was doing really, really well. And then all of a sudden, did they give you an excuse or just disappeared? How did it go? Well, it actually started about a week before. Uh, we had a we have a clips channel with about uh, over a million subs on it. And we put previews on the clips channel. And the clips channel gotcha. uh, preview got got deleted. And so we got in touch with YouTube. We asked them to review it manually. They came back with us and they said, you know, this, this violates the guidelines. They didn't give us any explanation at all. 
And then fast forward about a week, we release a episode with this, with this guy, uh, former Marine Tyler Vargas. And, uh, who was blown up at Abbey gate during the Afghan withdrawal. I don't know if you know about him. He testified in front of Congress, right? Mm. Well, that was making YouTube angry as well. And it just so happens the day that we released that episode, the same day they deleted the Jim Caviezel episode. <clears throat> and um, the Jim Caviezel episode had one point, I believe it had 1.8 million views at the time. And it just got wiped, got an email. And um, again, asked them to do the manual review. They did the annual review, which... I don't know how they did it that fast because the episode I think was two hours long and, and they got right back to me and set up. Yeah, we reviewed it. It violates community guidelines under, excuse me, conspiracies. And, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, we, you don't get to ask these guys anything. It's just, it's just emailing back and forth. And, and, um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, we talked about two things in that episode with one, the first half of the episode, we talked about faith in Jesus Christ and how he played Jesus uh, and, and the passion of the Christ, which is what got him shunned from Hollywood. And so we we dove pretty deep into that topic, and then that led into him playing Tim Ballard uh, in the movie Sound of Freedom and um, some of the stuff that's going on, how Hollywood is involved and some of that. And, and, you know, I, I knew we were going to get some pushback. I I didn't think that they would just wipe the entire episode as if it never happened. So here we are. This is a day later. Yeah. Yeah. A day later. And, uh, it's, it's just gone. Have you made any progress since yesterday? No, there's been, I mean, you know, the thing with dealing with YouTube is there's just, you have no contact, you know? And so all you can do literally is request a manual review. But um, we've we've been having ongoing problems uh, between that one and uh, the Tyler Vargas episode, which which we all know that uh, he was, you know, the media tried to suppress his testimony in front of Congress uh, when that happened because it makes this administration look so bad. Unreal. So Folks, wrong with. Sean Ryan, he's a former Navy SEAL host of the Sean Ryan Show. And forgive me, Sean, I just wanted to let everybody know because I'm hoping that everybody that's listening can go to YouTube and uh, even though they can't see it, they hopefully can subscribe and, uh, you know, try and just keep giving you some traffic because I I think what's happening, uh, and we see this all the time in big tech, but it seems uh, it's as of late, especially on this child trafficking topic, I, I've heard that it's happening more often and all si- all types of censorship, right? All, all different types of censorship have been occurring since this movie came out. And uh, it just, it, it, it doesn't cease to surprise me. It shouldn't, but it does surprise me how aggressive the censorship is with, um, with the situation that you're in now, what's the next step for you? Well, I mean, the next step for me and my team is to, get this episode out. I mean, it's still out on Spotify. It's still out on Apple podcasts, but we're going to break it up and uh, release it on Twitter or I guess uh, we're calling that X now, (laughs) but 
but um, <laughs> right. but we're going to get it out there, and then uh, we'll also have it embedded on SeanRyanShow.com for anybody to watch it. You know, it's just it's I just can't understand. Even if it was false, even if it was false, all it's doing is bringing awareness to kids that are being sex trafficked and sex exploited, and and they talk about you know, some of the, how that happens and, and all that stuff. And so all it's really doing is bringing awareness to a major issue. I mean, the U S is the number one consumer of sex trafficking and sex exploitation. And that's a fact. And so I, I don't understand how, even if this was some type of a false narrative or some type of a conspiracy, I mean, the, it can only benefit kids by bringing awareness that this is happening and for them to just yank it um, because it makes Hollywood look bad. It's just beyond me. And in about a minute and a half that we have remaining, what was the uh, involvement, I guess that, uh, that you and Jim Caviezel were discussing uh, the Hollywood involvement that may have um, triggered this? Well, he, he didn't want to get too in depth. That's the other thing. He didn't get, he did not get too in depth on anything that Hollywood was doing. He just kept mentioning that they, how that they were involved in all of this. And, and at the beginning of the episode, he's actually begging for the Hollywood agents to come forward and talk about how long this has been going on and, and, and how it's going on. And, and, He's just trying to get people to get the courage to come forward and, and admit that this is actually happening to save these kids. Unreal. Unreal. Folks, we're on with uh, Sean Ryan, former Navy SEAL, host of the Sean Ryan Show. You can check it out at SeanRyanShow.com. You know, Sean Ryan, um, earlier this year, uh, yeah, it was earlier this year, maybe it was last year, I, uh, I interviewed a guy who's actually a California Democrat. He's a big fundraiser for the California State Democrat Party. But... I was interested in speaking with him because he was kidnapped at four years old and brought to something he called a pedophile ranch and lived on that ranch for a dozen years until he was 16 when he was able to leave. And it's shocking to think that, you know, we, we used to think we had a kidnapping problem. The kids were missing and they were runaways. Turns out it's a lot worse. Folks, we're on with Sean Ryan, former Navy SEAL, host of the Sean Ryan Show. We're coming right back to continue this conversation and add a little spice to it. Because Sean was in Congress recently. We'll talk about that as well. Don't go anywhere, folks. It's me, Rich Valdez, our guest, Sean Ryan. We're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. extraterrestrials something I can't discuss in public setting um, okay I can't ask when you think this occurred <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft uh, stated earlier do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft as I've stated publicly already in my news nation interview uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries yeah um, were they I guess human or non-human biologics Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. That's David Grosh. He's a former national recon officer uh, for the Pentagon. He also um, worked on their Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Task Force and a former Air Force guy, by all means, somebody that is a serious person. And he made these remarks during a uh, hearing at the House Oversight Subcommittee on UAPs, uh, which the rest of us know as UFOs. So, uh, interestingly, there were other folks testifying, other folks that were involved with this. And our guest, Sean Ryan, um, you you had a bird's eye view of what was going on. Tell us all about it. I did. You know, I... uh Tim Burchett, uh, Tennessee rep for Congress, invited me down there. And uh, so I've been really interested in this topic, so I I didn't want to miss it. I went down there, and I thought it was a great hearing, you know, one of a kind. They've never done it before. Um, You know, I will say one thing that I've – I did a UFO whistleblower marathon uh, last week on my – my show and uh mm-hmm. i got a little bit of flack for it but um you know one one thing that grush kept talking about was you know he could not talk about certain things that are classified and i saw a lot of comments on and and heard a lot of gripes about you know that he's not he's not digging into the classified stuff but you know me coming from a background as a SEAL and a CIA, I understand completely. I mean, there's just some things that you cannot bring out in public. And um, and I, I, I wish that more people understood that because it doesn't make his story invalid. It doesn't make what he witnessed invalid. It, it's just that it needs to be behind closed doors at the moment. And hopefully, hopefully the congressman at the hearing will, will educate us on what happened down in the skiff and, and behind closed doors. But I thought everything they were saying uh, seemed very, very compelling, very valid, uh, especially the crashed UFO that they supposedly right. have recovered with biologics. I mean, if that's, if that's true, um, <laughs> wow, we got a whole other thing to dissect here, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. 
um, Sean Ryan, that, I, I mean, I, I totally believe all of that stuff is true. I, I think I always have. I think I grew up watching cartoons where that was just the norm. I, I can't, I usually am hard pressed to find people that really don't believe it. And I have a brother, and he and I always argue about this, and he says, wait till they find out what's going to come out of those hearings. And I say, I don't know, we just had a hearing where a guy, a very credible source, was saying that they have aliens and they have their body matter, and we have that. And that's as much as he could say without going into more information. And uh, it, it wouldn't be a shock to me. And I think, I think most people wouldn't be shocked. I think most people think, yep, we have them, and the government's hiding. Um, I think it would be shocking to find out, like, did guys like you that are, you know, special operators and whatnot, um, do you always fight other humans or are you fighting some version of these people? That would be an interesting revolution. But outside of that, I'd say I'm pretty sure they're here. I'm pretty sure they're, they're somewhere amongst us. I just don't know in what capacity. Do you find that a lot of people doubt the existence of UFOs or that the government has them? Uh, I think it's about 50-50, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, wow. From what from what I can see, you know, I I would like to say another thing that came out of that hearing that I think a lot of people uh, would find interesting. There's some of the black budget programs that that are starting to be talked about more and more uh, with the with the military industrial complex companies like Lockheed Martin, Skunk Works, um, Raytheon, Boeing. You know, and and some of the stuff that came out during that hearing is that there is definitely a possibility that there are man-made UFOs uh, being made on a regular basis by these companies. And um, that, that are, that are re uh, how do I say this? That are, that are basically reverse engineered from extraterrestrials. And yeah. And they dove in, they, they did, they asked the congressman asked some good questions. They asked how those budgets are funded, and I believe it was Grush was saying that they are funded because they over these companies will overcharge the government for the military whatever kind of military products they're making, whether they're missiles or drones or or or, or whatever, and they grossly overcharge the government using the leftovers to fund these man-made UAP black budget programs. Wow. That's fascinating. And it makes all the sense in the world of why, you know, they hear, Oh, we fired off so many missiles and how much were those? Those were $50 million missiles. <laughs> and you think yeah. why on earth would it cost $50 million for one missile? Uh, that makes a lot of exactly. sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But again, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. I think that's, that's just how they are, but it is good for the people to know. And it'd be great to get it on the record, especially the congressional record. Now, um, what what other standout moment did you have when you were there at the um, at this UFO hearing? Uh, I think the, the I would say the biggest standout moments was when they brought up the crash, you know, and said that they had brought they had biologics uh, from extraterrestrials and and another and the and then what I just had mentioned was the 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 um, the military the military industrial complex companies that are making these man-made UAPs. And, um, <clears throat> then they, they had brought up, um, they had two other pilots there. Uh, I believe they were both, I believe one was air force and one was Navy. And they had talked a little bit about, um, UAP UFO sightings that they'd seen when they were flying and how they, how they were moving. And, 
they had both all actually all three of these gentlemen that were that were testifying in front of Congress said that there is absolutely no way that even if we did have this technology that any human could withstand uh, that g force at the oh, wow. at the acceleration that these things they had they said there was zero propulsion systems there was no they saw zero propulsion systems one was flying um, right over the water there was the water wasn't being disturbed at all um, and it, they said that they could speed up slow down um, the acceleration was just they they couldn't even measure it wow that, that's fascinating stuff wow folks we are on with Sean Ryan. He's host of The Sean Ryan Show. Check him out at SeanRyanShow.com. Straight ahead, we're going to learn a little bit more about the show. Uh, this is the show where he interviewed Jim Caviezel and, of course, uh, was censored by YouTube. And um, they, you've got to have you got to be putting out some pretty good episodes if they're going to censor you. So I want to learn more about the show and let the audience uh, hear a little bit more about it so they could tune in. Folks, don't go anywhere. It's me, Rich Valdez. Our guest, Sean Ryan, former Navy SEAL, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back. Um, Sean Ryan is our guest. He's been censored. He's been all sorts of things uh, because he's a former Navy SEAL, so he's been through a lot. He was at the UFO uh, committee hearing this uh, past week, and uh, he's got an amazing podcast, The Sean Ryan Show, where he tells you about all of these things, but I don't know all about it. That's why he's here. Sean Ryan, tell us about The Sean Ryan Show. Well, I started the Sean Ryan show about three and a half years ago, and um, I, I just started it talking to former colleagues of mine that were SEALs or in special operations, and then I had a career over at CIA as well, so I brought some of my former spook friends on. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of started it just because I got, I got tired of the warfighters not having a voice in the country that we fought for. And so I grew I grew a pretty decent following. We're at about 1.7 million subs now, and um, that's kind of how it started. Was documenting military history, talking about mental health, coming back from war, and 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 kind of reinventing yourself. And that kind of started developing into. I started realizing there's a lot of people out there that don't have a voice, and there's a lot of a lot of corruption out there that needs to be exposed and a lot of truth that needs to be told. So it went from military stories, and then we got into um, a lot of the southern border stuff with the cartels and the narcos, uh, started exposing a lot of that. Then we started exposing a lot of political uh, corruption. Now we're talking about all kinds of stuff. The biggest one we've done, we had this guy, Ryan Montgomery, on, who's a white hat hacker. That means he hacks for the for good now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he has been hacking in and downloading basically all of these names that are involved in these 
child sex trafficking rings and sex exploitation rings. And, and, um, that's, that's the biggest one we've done. I think it's, a, it's over 4 million views now. And, um, and just that episode alone has educated so many parents and so many kids on how these guys are getting to kids and exploiting them and baiting them into situations that they obviously don't need to be in. And, uh, and then the other thing it did was to put the fear of God into pedophiles. So the impact that that had on that subject, uh, was, was incredible. But, uh, and then the latest one that we're doing is I had mentioned earlier, it's, uh, Tyler Vargas Andrews. He was, uh, one of the Marines that survived the blast at Abbey gate during the Afghan withdrawal. Oh, wow. And I had mentioned, yeah, I had mentioned that, um, that the media was trying to suppress his congressional testimony. So I brought him on my show, uh, to get the word out. We're battling, I think a little bit of censorship. We've seen a lot of demonetization with some of his clips in his trailer, uh, or his preview, but this is, first-hand account of everything that went on that day, uh, actually during that whole duration of the withdrawal. And it is, it's, it's, it is tough to listen to. I mean, this guy lost an arm. He lost a leg. He's had more surgeries than I can count. And, um, he's up there speaking truth, telling everybody what happened, telling everybody what a disaster uh, this administration caused over there. And, um, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it needs to be heard. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff on, on my podcast. And how did you, uh, did you, you know, as a little kid, did you say, man, I want to be a Navy SEAL when I grow up? Or was it one of those things or it just, you got older, this is the way I was going. How did that career path happen for you? Oh, I, I didn't really, I always wanted to be in the military, I think, since I was a little kid. And then uh, as I got older into high school, I realized I probably wasn't college material. So <laughs> um, so I started looking at the military and uh, wanted to actually be a Marine and then a Green Beret, and nobody would take me. And then I went to the, the Navy recruiter who was sticking his head out the door and said, have you ever heard about being a SEAL? And I said, no. So he told me about it, went home, and... And uh, decided that's what I wanted to do. Right Excellent. before 9/11. Oh wow! So that was uh, that was a tough time, I'm sure. Folks, uh, we are on with uh, former Navy SEAL Sean Ryan, host of the Sean Ryan Show. Go to seanryanshow.com to check out the clips, watch the episodes, subscribe. Uh, Sean Ryan, let everybody know how they can follow you on social media. Uh, you can follow me at Sean Ryan Show or Sean Ryan. Seven six two. Outstanding. Give him a follow, Sean Ryan. Uh, you're a patriot, a gentleman, a scholar, and I appreciate you being here. Rich, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Godspeed. And folks, your calls and more when we return. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, I want to go to the phones, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to the oldest station in America, KDKA, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Let's check in with Keith. Keith, how are you? You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Good, Rich. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, I was just listening to your last guest, Navy SEAL, Sean Ryan, and uh, he's a credible man. I believe, and I think UFOs have been around for years, probably. Even in Japan, neighbors, you know, even in Japan is where I think it originated from. But um, anyways, like, I believe the non-human passengers of these flights might be AI created earlier than we thought. And I just, you know, because they're supposedly non-human and it's a possibility. AI has been in the works for years and years and years, especially in some other places, if not the United States. And um, I just wonder what his opinion would have been on that, but yours also. Yeah, listen, I, I don't know if I even have an opinion on that, on, on uh, pre-existing AI that we didn't know about. Could potentially be. I mean, you know, w- when it comes to the UFO stuff, it, it, especially the way he was describing it, that these pilots, you know, these are some of our best pilots, that, you know, have come in contact with these um, UFOs or UAPs, as they call them. I feel that if they're saying they'd never seen anything like this, the G-force is too strong for a human, that it's hovering over the water and the water is not disturbed, um, it's obviously technology we don't know about. So the um, I think that the big issue is, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been around for a long time. A lot of people know a lot of things minus us, right? <laughs> we don't know exactly what's going on. So I think that that could totally be a possibility. I just I wouldn't, I couldn't say yay or nay either way. Uh, and I don't know anything about the, the Japanese origins of it. But but I do know that I've heard way too many stories of of these things. And, um, and, and I've met way too many people that have had so many stories about it. Even seen some crazy videos myself. And again, maybe they're AI, maybe they're not. Um, makes sense to me. I just, I wouldn't know, but it, it is a fascinating topic for many. It's never really been a, a fascination of mine. I, I find it interesting on occasion. Um, and I think if they were to tomorrow breaking news, we have aliens, they are amongst us. I don't know that I would be, uh, incredibly concerned or, or shocked or dismayed one way or the other. I think I'd go, okay, great. You know, I don't know if that means they're going to come out of hiding and we now live with these people. And, you know, that might be pretty interesting. Uh, but after, you know, seeing my country shut down and every citizen in the country having to wear a mask when, you know, <laughs> to protect themselves and, and the craziness that we went through, uh, very little, I think, will surprise me in the future. You know, so if we ever have martial law or any other type of crazy situation, I would say, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't surprise me. But that's just me being, uh, I guess, a little bit of a cynic, Keith. Um, those are my thoughts. The thing I was going to tell you is I believe, like, they haven't bothered us in any which way, shape, or form besides being unidentified flying objects, but I believe they could run this country better than this current administration. <laughs> I think you're right. 
UFOs 2024, they're better than Biden. What a bumper sticker that is. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate your thoughts. Folks, we're going to continue with your calls straight ahead. And then after that, we're going to get into a conversation on ESG, environmental, blah, 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 blah. Don't go anywhere. It's me, Rich Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. It is the Tuesday night edition of the program. This is our number two, and um, the social media, if you want to hit me up there, and a lot of people have been, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. I want to give a quick, quick plug here to Twyla Honey. So it appears Congressman Chip Roy tweeted at an athlete that shares a last name similar to mine, but his last name has a Z. And one of our listeners, her name is Twyla Honey, she's out of Texas. She uh, replied to Congressman Roy saying, I prefer Valdez with an S, LOL. And I thought that was great. Me too, Twyla. Big shout out to you. And uh, another interesting notification I got on my social media was from Joe Exotic. He is the Tiger King. He's following me on Twitter. Big thanks for that, Joe Exotic. He's in prison, and he's uh, he tweeted at me a couple of times today. I know he's running for president, or he has a 2024 uh, campaign that he'd like to launch. I, I got to get the details on that. But Joe Exotic is currently incarcerated, and if uh, he completes his entire term, he will be old enough to run like Joe Biden is, right? He'd be 82 years old when he gets out of jail. That's just around Joe Biden's age. But Joe Exotic is somebody I'd love to have on the program and do an interview with. So, uh, Joe, if you're listening, reach out to our people. My people will call your people. We're going to set this up. We'll do it over the phone. And if I'm ever near your federal penitentiary and we can do it in person, I'd be happy to do that, too. But I think that would uh, make for some really good radio. So we'll see if we can make that happen relatively soon. And, of course, Donald Trump was indicted today for the umpteenth time. Not really umpteenth. It was uh, the third indictment. This is uh, for January 6th. And again, this is, in my opinion, a very, very clear uh, indication that the government continues to try to interfere in the election. Now, some people have questioned whether they're saying, well, listen, if the charges are legitimate, what difference does it make what the motivation of the government is? Well, I think it makes a lot of difference because, again, if you're going to put Trump in jail, then you ought to do it later rather than sooner, or then you should have done it really sooner, like before he announced for president. You know, he he was out of office for two and a half years before even announcing that he was going to run for president again. So why would you wait until now that he launches his campaign and, all right, let's do it, right? So it's it's clear to me this is designed to give him a hard way to go. And and that's part of my issue with this, right? This is not necessarily that I, I want to defend Donald Trump, the man. 
I'm trying to defend this process. We, we've done it a certain way the whole time. If they mean to tell me, by they I mean the Department of Justice, they're going to change their ways and now they're going to investigate every candidate, then that would at least um, be a standard. But of course, how do you have any process, any political process if you do such a thing? Right? It's kind of crazy. So I think that's kind of, um, you know, a, a difficult thing to do. I think they should stick to the standard that they have. Uh, but uh, let us quickly go to uh, Alex in Brooklyn. Uh, we also have um, a call from South Carolina and calls from all across the country. So we're going to get to your calls right now. Again, that number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Alex, go right ahead. Hey, Rich, thanks for taking the call. Um, yes, you know, this is, this is, I think thus far this is the most despicable indictment because they let it come out today because yesterday Devin Archer gave the most credible testimony linking Joe Biden to the dealings that Hunter had with foreign countries. But it, it, it's also the most despicable indictment because this is going against free speech. And basically, if you believe that the election in 2020 was stolen for good reasons, because they changed the rules in 2020 and they didn't change the rules for any good reasons. They said, oh, no signature verification. You don't have to show ID. And you had a lot of mysterious things going on where they were counting the ballots, where they threw the poll out there. So they're the reason why people were suspecting that the election was stolen. But if you believe that and you say that you think the election was stolen, you could be indicted for that. I mean, the ramifications of that weren't even so bad. And nothing really happened. You had January 6th. You didn't have what you had in 2020 during the summer of so-called love, where the media literally, they lied to the American people knowingly. They had no reason to believe that the police are racist because one person had, there was one bad apple, Derek Chauvin. They lied, and what was way worse than what Trump did, which was not nothing at all wrong, because that ended up killing dozens of people in the summer of 20, injuring many more, burning down shops. If something, they should shut themselves down and they should censor themselves instead of saying Trump wasn't allowed to say that the election was stolen. And they have to prove that Trump didn't believe that the election was stolen. He doesn't have to prove that he didn't believe it because he, he says, I believe it was stolen. And he had reasonable reasons to say that. You had a lot of changes that happened. So if something, they should prove that he believed stolen and even if he that, that he didn't believe and even if he didn't believe he still has the right to free speech and to say that it was stolen if it was embarrassed hillary clinton said that the election wasn't was stolen from her you had stacy abrams doing that also with in when she was running for governor i mean he's allowed to say it. he didn't call for a civil war he didn't call for an insurrection he said peacefully and patriotically march to the capitol he did nothing wrong and this is this is the worst one thus far, but I agree with you. This is election interference. They're trying to pile it on, and people are even forgetting about the the Stormy Daniels indictment because it was so far back, and you have two more now, and people aren't looking into the indictments anymore. It's more like one, two, three, right. four, five, pile it on. He's just a big criminal. This is despicable. This is a banana republic, and they're not going after the people that are actually doing the wrong things like Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, his father. And they're, they're not even giving it enough airtime when there you have real evidence of Joe Biden selling access of this country to other countries. It's absolutely insane. And, and, you know, and again, I really do think this is a level of insanity that we've never seen before. We've never had this level of governmental in, intervention into our politics the way we're seeing it now. And it, it's getting normalized. And I feel like this 
is going to be a big detriment to our system. Uh, Alex, thank you very much for the call calling in from WFAS New York City. Uh, we're going to get to the rest of your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Joe El Baboso Biden is famous for saying, look, I've never been involved in my children's business. I've never gotten involved in any of that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But never discussed any business deals with Hunter. We've got audio of it. Listen to this. I did not know he was on the board of that company. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters. I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. All right, so there it is, right? That's a montage of Joe Biden never, ever discussing any business deals with Hunter, his son, his daughter, yada, yada, yada. You've heard him say it before. I'm just bringing it up so that you could say it again. Uh, But back in 2018, when they uh, discovered some voicemails that were stored on the infamous Hunter Biden laptop that was deemed Russian information, there was a message, uh, a voicemail from Joe Biden to Hunt Biden. And it was regarding the New York Times report on his Chinese business dealings. Of course, this does prove that he did speak to his son about his um, relationship with the criminal dubbed the spy chief of China and that he was talking to him about these business deals. And, and again, this is old. This is not new news. This is old news. But we know this, and yet they continue to stick with the same story. Listen to this. Hey, Palace Dad. It's 815 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Nothing urgent. I just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, this going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think you're clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. Listen, sounds like a loving dad. Really does. But he clearly is telling him, hey, you know, listen, I know what's going on. The article was released about in the New York Times. It's going to be printed tomorrow. Um, it was good. I think you're clear, you know, meaning there was probably an original version of that article that threw Hunter under the bus one way or another. They waited for uh, Joe or somebody else to call to say, Hey, listen, I don't want my kid to get dragged under the bus. What do you need me to do? And they said, Oh, we need X, Y, and Z, whether it was access, a favor, this, that, and the third, whatever. Uh, and they got what they needed. They rewrote the story. It, It had no, um, no dings on Hunter. And his dad, you know, confirmed this to him saying, hey, listen, kid, you're good, blah, 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 took care of it, right? 
like what we would all do for our kids uh, to protect them and help them and support them. <clears throat> Not necessarily strong army in the New York Times or getting involved in illegality with Ukrainians, but you know what I mean. You know, looking out for your kids. So uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, we've got Chuck in Greenwood, South Carolina, WCRS on the phone. Chuck, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I just want to say that if charges against Trump or against anybody else are legitimate, whether the timing or the motivation suits anybody or not, it will not have any any bearing on the outcome of guilt or innocence. And if anybody doesn't like that, it's just tough. Yeah, well, uh, lamentably, uh, Chuck, it, it, that's not exactly how it works, though, right? The Department of Justice has long had um, a, a rule that they've upheld where they said, look, we know that people that are running for office, uh, even if they're guilty of sin, we won't we won't conduct the investigation throughout the campaign. So they because they don't want to interfere in the potential outcome of the election. Right. Because obviously a candidate that may be under investigation may be viewed negatively by the pop by the public. So it's their job to either get everything, you know, get their ducks in a row uh, before the, the election happens or wait till it's over and then do it after. Uh, and this has been an, uh, a tradition that's been upheld for, I think, 247 years, um, even with Hillary Clinton. Right. Uh, they said they, they were going to look into it. They weren't going to press any charges. And that was why the DOJ at the time, the um, uh, AG, Loretta Lynch, she decided to do nothing with Hillary Clinton. But it was James Comey acting on his own, going rogue, deciding I'm going to do this and I'm going to write a memo and read the memo publicly saying I think that she was grossly uh, incompetent or whatever, but it didn't rise to the challenge. So he, in effect, was saying we're not going to be charging her when he didn't have the ability to charge anybody. In effect, the FBI is a federal police department, if you will, in, 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 in effect for, for this purpose, and he was the police chief. And instead of saying, look, we're going to have the town prosecutor, the, the, the district attorney, whomever is the person that can bring the charge, um, you know, waive the charge or not bring the charge. He decided to not even confer and just said, you know what? Hey, I'm the police chief. I'm going to decide we're not going to charge you. And, and this is a repeat, honestly, of what we saw during uh, the 2020 election when so many people were bringing lawsuits and judges were just flat out saying, I'm not going to take the case. And the media would turn around and say that was a loss. So I think, it's important for us to, to take the facts as they come. And the reality is we've never seen another presidential candidate get treated the way Trump is being treated, whether these things are legitimate or not. I would submit to you when you start charging somebody with conspiracy, knowing that there's such an incredibly high standard to prove that, that it's going to be very difficult for Jack Smith to make to make his case. He's probably going to lose the case. <clears throat> I mean, he may get some, you know, based there's multiple counts. So some counts he may get a conviction because they've got a favorable judge and whatnot. But by and large, they're not really ever going to get what they want, which is why I suspect that this isn't about that. What it's really about is slowing down the campaign, throwing mud and and hurting someone. I mean, not very different than when you have domestic disputes where one spouse um, claims to have been injured by another spouse uh, in order to get them out of the house, to keep them in jail for an evening, to just mess them up one way or another. 
we, we've seen this happen. It's, it's a very commonplace thing for people to put charges on somebody. Even if they're disproved later, they've already caused the damage. And I think that's the goal. So hopefully that made sense to you, Chuck. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in Greenwood, South Carolina, WCRS. Uh, let's go to Justin calling in from Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, listening online. Go right ahead. Oh, thank you, Rich. Um, it is always such a pleasure um, and a privilege to be able to speak with you, Rich. Oh, you're um, very kind. Thank always, you. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I, I look forward to your show every night. Um, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I mean, just real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Rich. I, I don't believe any of the accusations against President Trump. Um, I don't care how many times he gets indicted. Um, I just I don't believe it. And, and I, I believe the truth will come out in the trials. I, I believe he's going to be acquitted. Um, uh, so I just want to say that real quick. But the real reason I was calling sure. is I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be quick. Um, I don't know if you've seen The Sound of Freedom. Um, I'm going to I a screening want, in New York City on Saturday, so I have not. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, everyone should see it, in my opinion. Um, I mean, everyone, at least here in America, should see it. Uh, I, I was at a loss for words, Rich, um, after I got out of the theater, and um, there was a lot of very emotional people in the theater, and I, it actually took everything I had not, not to get emotional myself. I just, you know, I just left and got out of the theater, but um, I was, a, I didn't know what to really say after the movie. It is, it is so powerful. Um, it really does show you how, how evil um, you know, these people are who, who, and they don't, they don't only kidnap the children, but I mean, they keep, you know, they keep them as slaves that they're, they're, they're tortured, they're raped. And I, it, there, there's real footage in the beginning of the movie. So you actually see the footage of children being kidnapped and it, it's just sickening. It really is. And, um, these people who do this, I mean, they, they are one of the reasons why I believe in the death penalty. I mean, they, they should be put to death for what they, what they do. And it's just horrible. Um, but it's, it's great that the truth is out, you know, and I hope, Everybody in the world, all countries get to see this because everyone needs to see this movie and see the truth for what it is. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. And I echo that. Uh, I've heard from every source that has seen the film. I know one of the uh, the folks from Angel Studios, and uh, he, he was telling me the same thing. It's so powerful, and uh, I can't wait to, to check it out this weekend. It's, um, it's a terrible thing, and uh, we, a topic we discuss here often on this program because I want to always shed light on what's going on. And somebody criticized me on Twitter earlier saying that we were talking about, about trial trafficking and then all of a sudden switch gears to UFOs. And that's kind of how radio works. We kind of switch topics every segment, uh, considering the guest we had, he was talking about how he got censored on YouTube, but he was the same guy that sat through the UFO hearing. So, you know, one segment was for child trafficking. The next segment was for, uh, what we just talked about, UFOs. So anyway, <clears throat> some people just don't get it. Anyway, Justin, again, thanks for the call. I appreciate it, folks. We're going to talk about uh, the environmental social governance scam and how they're transferring money from one person to the next. That's ESG, and we've got somebody coming up to discuss that. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number, and we'll be right back.
right, America, welcome back. And we're constantly talking about environmental, social government standards and how they're using this. And they are these obscure boards, corporate boards, different corporations that are um, installing this system that, you know, in many ways is similar to the um, social credit system that's used in China where it's more, you know, intricate where they tie it in with cameras and whatnot. But to say the least, this is the beginnings of that, or I should say the the framework being laid out for this type of system here in the United States by, by way of corporations. So we, um, we have this ESG system, and clearly it's, it's a system that has been problematic from its inception. We've talked about it a number of times, and it just never seems to be um, it doesn't square, right? It never really makes sense other than it saying this is the way you're going to fix the environment by doing this and doing that. And, you know, it's just a bunch of crazy in my opinion. But Bob Rubin is the founder of Rubin Wealth Advisors, and he's with us because we're going to talk about the leftist scam transferring billions from capitalism to socialism. Bob, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be on board. You bet. So let's talk a little bit about um, ESG and your your thoughts on why it's good or bad. Well, I definitely don't think it's good. Um, I don't want to sound like hyperbole, but it's it's probably the biggest financial scam that has ever happened in this country. I mean, it's, it's just it's trillions of dollars and it's really moving billions of dollars from capitalist free enterprise people, investors in their 401ks and IRAs and irregular investments to, to basically to the left in all different forms and fashions. So there's really nothing good about ESG. Um, and probably the worst part about it is you just don't make as much money when you invest, when you have something that's very pro ESG or an ESG fund than if you didn't. Like it's just right. it's, whenever you put friction in investments, it's bad. So you just shouldn't do it. You shouldn't have it. But unfortunately, they make it really hard for you not to have it. Now, what do you think is the um, the the end game for most people? And is it an end game type of thing, or is it um, you know something that many companies are just doing because of pressure that's being thrust upon them? Well, I, I mean, I definitely think in. You know, it's part of the whole leftist um, socialist movement, and they're trying to impose as much change upon us as they can. And I think that big investment companies like BlackRock, you know, they're the they're the worst of them all. You know, they invest in a company, and you know, they have they have ten trillion dollars. So when they invest in a company, they they in essence force it to become woke, whether they they cause you know uh, hard left HR people, whatever it might be. And um, they force a lot of these companies to uh, to adopt policies that are that just you know are moving more to the left that generally don't make any sense for those particular companies like Exxon Mobil investing in in solar or Bud Light taking on a, a transgender advertising campaign you know but it's 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 all sorts of crazy stuff. I think so, and and I, I always feel like this is the beginning of. Uh of a, a big leftist takeover that's eventually going to give us a, a Chinese credits score in America. But of course I, I realize, you know, that there's 
different steps that we have to go through to get to something like that. Uh, but it, it doesn't change the fact that it may not happen in five years, six years. It could be 10 years. I mean, they, they've launched 100-year right. wars in the past. So what what is uh, ultimately um, your take? Do you think that there's a will, a political will, uh, will within the business community or the stakeholders of these organizations to actually like maybe push back enough to where we won't have this permeating corporate culture? I, you know, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I obviously as, as being a, a free market guy, that that's what I want. I'm a, I'm a conservative and that, that's what I would hope to be. But I'm not so sure that's ever going to happen. Uh, you know, when you, when you think about what causes a lot of this stuff, look at the kind of people that are that are graduating from the universities, these crazy, woke young ladies, and they have gender studies degrees and all this kind of crazy stuff. Well, all these, these crazy women, mostly women, are staffing the HR departments of all these corporations now. So they, they impose all these policies on people. You have to take civility classes and DEI classes and CRT classes and why ESG is good and why climate change is bad and why white is bad. All that stuff is all pushed by the HR departments of all these companies. And, you know, once it gets sort of, it's kind of like an infection, right? You know, once it's, they infect these companies, mm. it's pretty hard to, to sort of give it a shot of penicillin. Like, wh- where do you give the shot? Like it's it's just everywhere in the company, right? I mean, I hate to sound so down and dour about it, but it's that's just kind of what I what's going on right now. You know, um, Bob Rudin, I'm looking at an article in today's yesterday's Financial Times. Companies with good ESG scores pollute as much as low-rated rivals. (laughs) The finding holds true even when researchers looked only at the environmental part of the metric. (laughs) So, what are we doing here? Uh, it's just, it's so crazy. They, they come up with these, these ESG scores, right? Like a company has to do really well to get a, a good score in governance or, or societal or environmental, whatever it might be. And then there's these, and then they try to get these scores by these companies, that, these organizations that are rating agencies, right? And they're just made up leftist things, right? And then, then they hire consultants to prove how good you do or to make you do better on these ratings. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's billions of dollars being moved from from the right to the left, and and, and it doesn't do anything. It it actually it actually causes you know companies to take their eye off the ball from what they should be doing, what they should be working on. You know, they, Exxon Mobil should be drilling for oil, not building solar plants. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at and there's just a quote in this article, and it it supports what you're saying. Um, this guy Felix Goltz. Um, research director at the company that did the research, Scientific Beta, it says that these ESG ratings have little or no relation to carbon intensity, even when considering the environmental pillar of these ratings. So it doesn't seem that people actually have looked at these correlations and they're surprisingly low. It goes on to say that the carbon intensity reduction of green, low carbon intensity portfolios can be effectively canceled out by adding ESG objectives. But they're saying that that's just not the case, right? There's no canceling out of anything because they're not they're not sustainable like they claim to be. Well, they also move the goalpost all the time. You know, even ESG has changed. You know, societal words have changed. They change what ESG means. So, you know, whether it's you know, look look how they've changed climate change, right? It's gone from global warming. They couldn't do that anymore, and then it became climate change. Same idea, right? So. How, how do you meet a metric of doing better if they keep moving the goalposts? 
Right. And in effect, that's uh, a lot of what they do with the economy as well. Uh, so I want to get your take on that when we come back. Folks, we're on with Bob Rudin, and we're coming right back. Our phone number, if you have a question for him, 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez is the number. Again, Bob Rudin is our guest. He's president of Rubin Wealth Advisors, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. Again, we've got Open Phone America starting at the top of the hour. We'll probably get in a little early um, after this segment. So I'm going to give you the phone number for that, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And quick reminder that the program has been nominated for a People's Choice Award in the categories of government and organizations, our coverage of those things. So if you want to register your email to vote for the show, feel free to do so at podcastawards.com. That's podcastawards with an S.com. Again, we return to our guest, Bob Rudin. He is the president of Rubin Wealth Advisors. And Bob, I want to get your take on, you know, people obviously go to you with their money and they want you to make them more money. And it seems like it's a tougher time to make money on in, in different areas. What's your top advice right now for folks? Well, I, I think one of the interesting things about the way that we do things is that all of the new clients that we bring on are all politically conservative. So they have a very similar worldview that, than I do and our firm does. That's one thing that makes it a little easier for us to make some, some investments. That so we're not going to make money in, in woke companies. Exactly. We try to... For example, you, you can't completely eliminate woke out of your, your investment portfolio. You're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. But, for example, we won't do Facebook, um, but we'll do Oracle. We, we won't do, you know, we won't do uh, Amazon, but we'll do Microsoft. You have, to, you have to take the least of the worst, right? And yeah. so, you, so you, you can take out legitimately about 15 to 20% of the wokeness out of your portfolio, but there's so much out there. You know, of all the investments, you you just have to. We try to be at the bleeding edge of that, and we we just try to make it so that um, we have the most offensive of the wool companies out of our clients' portfolios, and that's that's very important to them. Um, they'll give up a, a little bit of rate of return, a tiny tiny bit, in order to, for example, they would ne- you know we just never would put Disney in our portfolios. It just it'll never happen, right? Like that that's an example of something our clients would leave us, right? And where are you so, telling people to put their money though? Is it uh, all funds and mutual funds and stocks, or are you diversifying with real estate? Uh, what what's the angle? So we're mostly uh, in the security markets, in the public security markets. We'll mostly use ETFs, exchange-traded funds. We use some individual stocks, um, just as a little, I guess, a, a tip if you're looking for that, 
right now we're looking because right now the market is pretty overvalued. We've had a really good run. I mean, today was a little, little, you know, kind of came down a bit, backed off. But for the last few few months, really since the beginning of the year, things have done really well. So really to look at something that's a little underperforming right now would be in the real estate sector, say with the REITs. Uh, you can get a nice rate of return while you're waiting. You do have to be careful. You're talking about real estate investment trusts. Correct. And um, w- one of the things is about real estate investment trusts is they invest in different things, whether it's commercial real estate, residential real estate, et cetera, warehouses, industrial, all that. And the ones that are hit the most are obviously the the uh, the office ones. And we all know there's a big sure. question will America come back to work in the offices? And that's, that's still a big question, right? Like, you know, we all have our own opinion on that. And I don't, I don't, I think it's, I think it's safe to say it's an unanswered question yet. Right. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And what, what's your thought being that we're on it? Um, just curious to know, I know that we've never really seen a time in history, at least in my lifetime that I can remember where there was institutional buying at the level we see now where, you know, families are competing with, with financial firms uh, over single-family homes. Do you th- I, obviously, I think that's drying up the, the inventory in the market, but uh, how do you think that affects the, the grand scheme of things overall? Well, it definitely drives up the price of housing. I mean, we still, you know, when I talk to my real estate friends, they tell me that they, they use the term of doors that were short, like, I think it's, I could be, don't hold me to this number, but it seems like, Four million doors that were short, like as far as you know, houses that we need to build or, or or apartments. So with that kind of shortage, and obviously with the amount of untethered and unfettered you know illegal immigration that's going on in this country, there's more people coming in. They do need a place to live, right? They can, they're not going to live in New York hotels forever, right? In the streets right? of New York, like they are now, yeah. <laughs> right? Eventually, they're going to get a house, and there's just not enough of them, and. You know, especially in the in the areas that have net in in migration. You know, the, obviously most of the red states are are getting that migration. So the, yeah, there's a shortage, and it's it's driving the prices up. And then when you combine that with the Fed raising interest rates, you know, what what are mortgage rates right now? Six seven percent. That's the high number. It, it drives up the cost of housing. Now, Bob Rubin, let everybody know where they can find out more about Rubin Wealth Advisors. Well, our website is rubenwa.com, stands short for Ruben Wealth Advisors. And if you go to our site, uh, on the top right, you'll see something called the Read the Ruben Review. And that's a bunch of articles that I've penned uh, regarding how bad ESG is and wokeness in investing. Uh, things like the top 10 reasons why ESG is bad news for investors. You can also see us on, uh, on Twitter um, under Ruben Wealth Advisors. You can see that. We're also on Facebook. Um, but most of the good information you're going to get is from our, um, from our website. All right. Well, check them out at RubenWA.com, RubenWA.com. Bob Rubin, I want to thank you for your time and for the tips. Um, we will uh, continue this conversation and see how it unfolds. Thank you, and congratulations on your nomination for that award. That's awesome. It's great oh, news. Thank, I appreciate that, Bob. Thank you so much. Godspeed to you, sir. Uh, God bless you. Good night. Bye. You bet. Likewise. All right. Good conversation there, folks. We're coming back to your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call 
now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. me it's rich valdez i'm happy to be with you tonight tuesday edition of the program we're about to kick off open phone america in a couple of minutes but we have a few people in the queue and we're going to get to them because like i say get in early this way you're not on hold for a while and then sometimes we run out of time to get to you in the next uh, hour so give us a call 833-4-VALDEZ 833-482-5337 call early call often all right let's go we're going to akron ohio wnir go right ahead Frank. Thank you, Rich. Hey, thank you, hey, Rich. Frank. And, Welcome. Uh, you bet. Love you, love you much. Hey. Thanks. Uh, Any way you could get off speakerphone for a second? Because it's a little tough to hear you, Frank. I'm going to put you on hold for just a second uh, to see if we could get you on t- uh, off of the speaker so that we could um, come right back to you. And uh, I'm going to quickly pivot to Kim. Kim's in Shields, Michigan. Uh, Kim, go right ahead. KDKA. Hi, Rich. Thank you. Um, What I'm calling about is I uh, read a story in the Epoch Times about um, about leprosy and about how uh, I think you talked about it a a couple days ago. Um, Eighty one percent of all leprosy cases in the U.S. are in Florida and it's being considered endemic. And uh, they they don't know how it. They're not sure on how it spread. They think it might be spread by droplets, like from coughing and sneezing and oh, stuff. Like COVID. If, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they know um, if people live around other people for like a year or two, it, somehow they're getting it that way too. But um, I mean, a couple weeks ago. It was syphilis is getting horrible in Texas and right. malaria. Florida's got malaria. And um, I, I just, I say you can't bring in um, 7 million illegals in two and a half years and not have a, and a lot of this stuff come in. Yeah, I think no question there's probably a link between the excessive uh, illegal immigration and all sorts of things, whether it's crime, homelessness, even these physical ailments. Um, I just don't know if if it's a direct link. I don't know if leprosy is popular in some of the countries they're coming from, but who knows, right, Kim? Anyway, thank you for your call. Coming right back. Don't go anywhere. It's Open Phone America. We'll be right back. Live 
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome, it's the Tuesday edition of the program, and uh, happy to be with you. 833-4825-337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's see, where do we go here? Because there was a few things I wanted to talk about. Obviously, we've talked about a bunch of things. We talked about ESG and the economy. We talked about um, our buddy Sean Ryan and how he was censored when he posted an interview with uh, the actor in the movie, The Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, and YouTube forced him to take it down, deleted it, and uh, he's back and forth with them. And the um, interesting part of that conversation, uh, obviously all of that was interesting, but what was it took an interesting turn when we started talking about UFOs, and he was at the UFO hearing and the interesting things he told us. So if you missed any part of those conversations, make sure you check out the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. That's richvaldezamericaatnight.com. And that's where you can find absolutely every episode of the program. You could listen to all of our archives. You could subscribe to the podcast through Spotify or Apple or however you listen and click subscribe so you get notifications. You'll know whenever there's a new episode, this service is absolutely free. All you got to do is do, go there, Rich Valdez, americatnight.com, and you can either listen live, send it to a friend, do whatever you want. Everything is there. And I just wanted to mention, I also wanted to remind you, if you are interested in taking some time out to register your email address so you can vote for this program, the podcast version of this program, it has been nominated for a People's Choice Award for our coverage of government and organizations. And all you do is you go to podcastawards.com, podcastawards, plural, dot com, and you put my name in there, Rich Valdez with an S, and then you just scroll downward to the categories and look for government and organizations. There'll be a drop-down menu with your mouse or your finger or whatever you're doing. You scroll down to where it says Rich Valdez, America at Night. You hit submit, and you have now been registered to vote. So when voting is open in, uh, I guess, in the next week or two, uh, you can go ahead and cast your vote for the program. Anyway, uh, I do want to remind you, we do have Open Phone America coming up tonight. we got a bunch of Franks on the line. Let's call one of them Frankie so I don't get them confused. And um, we have a bunch of callers that we're about to get to momentarily. Calls from New York, from Ohio, from Missouri, from Montana. Um, always a pleasure to speak with everybody across America. But I did want to uh, quickly... <clears throat> I wanted to to um, point out that there's a lot of um, a lot of people out in the media that are just so anti Trump, right? And it's it's they're, they tried being anti Republican, anti conservative, but they've really zeroed in on making it like, look, as long as we can hate this guy and make it like a sport to hate this guy. 
we'll make it so bad that if anybody says, I voted for Trump, I support Trump, I like Trump, or if they see you wearing one of those red hats, people are going to look at you funny. That is how bad the hate has gotten. Uh, it, it's just amazing to me. But, you know, the Democrats had a lot of experience with that because, of course, they blocked a, a good portion of the voting rights uh, back when it was originally proposed. They also um, proposed the Jim Crow laws. So the uh, Democrats have a lot of experience in creating hate towards a group of people. Uh, they've done it with African-Americans historically in this country, and they're doing it now with uh, political conservatives. And uh, it's a shame to see it that that's the expertise that they espouse. But John Brennan, you might remember him. He was a lurch-looking fellow that was director of the CIA and in the Obama years. And he's also lamentably from North Bergen, New Jersey, and that's where I went to high school. Uh, but John Brennan was on MSNBC yesterday, and he says that it is horrifying that Trump is the leading Republican presidential candidate. Listen to this. How do you envision this ending, this, this saga of this national security lapse, if you will, because of Donald Trump? I mean, Jack Smith waited to add this charge, even though he's had uh, this Iran document. We've known about it. And, you know, this could significantly add to Trump's criminal exposure. But how do you envision uh, this particular um, uh, situation ending? What I find most horrifying is Donald Trump is the leading Republican candidate for president. Mm. And it is clear that anybody who did this could not have achieved any type of security clearance. But he has the potential to be back in the White House. Brennan, Brennan is saying this guy's saying, well, they have this document with Iran and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Right? Making it seem like there's, there's all this hype. Oh, this is so egregious. And Brennan says the worst thing that's happened is the CIA director. Uh, former CIA director, uh, now an MSNBC contributor. So he's paid by MSNBC to, to go on their air. The most egregious thing is that Americans like Trump. That's it. That is the most egregious thing. He goes on to talk about whatever and answer the question. But the most egregious thing is that Donald Trump is the leading candidate. If that is not telling, I don't know what is. It's straight from the horse's mouth that they refuse, refuse to accept that Trump was voted into office and will do anything to stop him. I'm waiting for them to come out of their face and say, we are disgusted with the American people. The American people are so disgusting because they, they support disgusting Trump. But they won't. They're afraid. They'd rather try to just call it MAGA Republicans, MAGA extremists, trying to paint one portion of the population a certain way so that they could hate them and have a good conscience about hating them. Absolutely terrible. Let us go to the phones. St. George, Utah, KZSU. Uh, Titus, go right ahead. Welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Uh, hey, Rich. I'd just like to say it's a big honor to be on your show, and I think you're doing a real good job since uh, Jim Bohannon left us. Thank you. I appreciate that. What's on your mind tonight, Titus? Yeah. Well, I've heard a lot lately about Go Woke, Go Broke, the whole idea that if companies embrace woke and leftist policies, that eventually they're going to start losing funds. And also, that can work both ways. You know, you've heard the song, 
Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean. That song's blowing mm-hmm. up because it's basically a middle finger to leftists who want to control what you want to listen to. Yeah. Now, listen, I, I, I agree with you 100%. This is one of those things that I'm glad that that's a phenomena that we're seeing where we're saying, wow, you know, and I, it's in number one place now, the song. But I remember when when the CEO of Goya went to the White House and uh, said some kind words like, you know, we're thankful to have a leader like President Trump. That's all he said. And immediately the left tried to stage a boycott and conservatives organized a boycott and uh, everything went up. They made a lot more money. They sold a lot more products. It was it was a big, big deal. And I think that's what happens when you try to offend the sensibilities of the American people. And that's why they refuse to do it. Right. That's why they won't come out and say, you know, Titus, you're disgusting. Rich Valdez, you're disgusting. You people suck. I can't believe you like Jason Aldean's song. And you might even support Donald Trump. What's wrong with you? Right. This is uh, people uh, are the Democrats or, you know, I don't want to blame the entire party, but many that are, you know, on that side of the fence. They look at a situation like this and, and they can't help but have contempt. They dislike not the whole country, the half that doesn't agree with them. I don't hate the other half. I argue with them and we'll have those discussions and I'm hopeful that they'll listen enough to, to consider a new position and maybe change. But we can't sit here and hate each other forever. Uh, but good point, um, Titus in St. George, Utah. All right, folks, we're going to the rest of your calls right now. Straight ahead, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. And uh, just I want to take a quick moment. We're going to continue with your calls and the jovial nature of the program, I promise. But I did want to offer uh, condolences to um, Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver here in New Jersey. Uh, I live in New Jersey. And uh, just, you know, again, I met her once when I worked in the Christie administration. Um, She was an assemblywoman back then and uh, was cordial and fine and was was never an issue. And uh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. That's uh, that was disturbing news. It's funny. I saw her name on a billboard earlier today and I, I did not know what it was about. I thought actually she might be running for governor. Uh, and then I saw this and um, and uh, it's, it's moving. I, I feel terrible about that. Um, it's always fun to spar with a political adversary, you know, when they're alive. <laughs> but, you know, once they're they're gone, it's tough. So, you know, Godspeed to, to her family. I wish them the best. And uh, we continue. Now, we were talking about a bunch of different things. Um, 
there's a poll, and I want to put this out there very quickly. Um, well, let me not do that yet. Let me actually uh, go back to your calls because there's a few things I want to I want to go over, and um, Kamala Harris is one of them, and I don't want to get into that too far just yet. But let us go uh, to Nico in Athens, Georgia, WGKA. Nico, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing today? Wonderful, thank you. Good. Um, so I was wondering, you mentioned Goya earlier. Um, and in the U.S., we, we have a history of presidents um, when talking business-wise, like leaving behind their businesses. And Trump has inherited um, a very successful uh, business from his family. I was wondering how you felt about him using uh, kind of his presidential power to support and promote Goya business. Um, well, I, I, I never saw him support or promote Goya personally. I know that he invited the president of Goya on onto uh, like a business roundtable and invited them to to the Rose Garden in the White House to talk about business issues. And there were multiple business leaders there, uh, but it, it was it was um, AOC, uh, all out crazy, my least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, who took exception um, on Twitter to the the CEO of Goya saying. You know, we're grateful to have a president that, you know, focused on a free market economy and that type of thing, saying that it was a benefit to the country. And uh, she took exception to, to saying, you know, if Goya's going to to say, you know, nice things about Trump, then we're going to not buy Goya. And it really backfired in so much as, you know, not only Hispanics uh, started buying more Goya, <laughs> uh, but all sorts of people. You know, I remember um, posting videos about this at the time. I think it was about three years ago. And it was it was so funny that, you know, people were calling me, what should I buy? What's a good recipe? Like everybody just wanted to start making Goya uh, food and Goya items and, and just, you know, they had a real good time with it. And it was the exact opposite effect of going woke and going broke or maybe the same in so much as people band together when they see something they don't like. And and uh, it's, I mean, you got to love the free market, um, you know, American free market capitalism in so much as as we are a free market, which, you know, we're not entirely one, but um, it's you got to love it when it works and, and when it's actually doing what it's intended to do, because I feel like that is um, that's the essence of America, Nico. Yeah. Um, so he did, in fact, on, on POTUS, I, I agree 100 um, percent in the, the free market taking its course and the people speaking on that. Um, I, I will say he did post it to the uh, POTUS. He used the Instagram page and posed with them. Um, so how do you feel about the president using his power necessarily to support certain brands over others? Well, like I said, I think you asked that question and I gave you the, my best answers. I, I, I have not seen what you're talking about. Um, and I don't re- recall that happening. Uh, I do remember he took pictures with people and whatnot. And I think there were um, there were some memes that were created and whatnot. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I do I don't recall any any of that. And if it did happen, I guess you know it is what it is. Um, I don't think the president's job is to to promote any particular brand. Uh, but you know, I'm not president, so what can I say? Anyway, thanks for the call, Nico. We appreciate it. And go Goya. <laughs> Let's continue. Uh, let us go to, where do we go here? Is it Missouri? Uh, yeah, let's go to St. Joseph, Missouri, and check in with Mary. She's listening on KMA out of Iowa. 
Mary, go right ahead. Hello, Rich. I just think you're wonderful. So I had to call you again tonight. Oh, um, that's nice of you. Thank you, Mary. Did you? Well, I think you're awesome. So anyway, did you hear the story about the guy that was arrested in Mount Washington, Kentucky, that had human remains in his apartment? He was trafficking in human remains. He had 40 skulls and some spinal I think cords. I did. It's not a, a really new story, right? It, it happened a while ago? It was It was July 11th. I just read yeah, it right. up so I could tell. I remember hearing that but story, anyway, yeah. But, and he was getting these from the Harvard Medical School. <laughs> right, North. right. They were selling them. Yeah, it was those kids from Harvard. I totally remember that. I'm like, there was more than just one guy. Confident. It was, it was a, like a little syndicate they had. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, how big is this? And I just checked the justice.gov website, and they barely mentioned the, the human remains. What they got him on was a felon in... Well, he had previously been arrested and convicted of having explosive materials in his in his residence, and so he, he was a felon previously. So what they got him on was possession of a of an automatic rifle and marijuana, and they and they didn't even charge him for the human remains. Right. Well, and that could have been part of a plea deal. I mean, that could have been part of of a, you know, we're charging you with 18 things. And then he spoke to the prosecutor and said, all right, I'll plead guilty if you give me just two charges. And that happens all the time. I mean, even with like tickets that you might get, you know, traffic violations, they, they always try to give you a little plead this to that and we'll knock the points off and whatever. So I think that that could be part of that. But yeah, interesting the way that that whole story was, that was crazy. Those kids were working in the morgue and, and selling body parts. Um, that, completely insane story. Uh, but we shall uh, continue with your calls and more. And um, let me give you the phone number. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Uh, like I said, we've got calls coming in from New York, Montana, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, another one from Pennsylvania. So we're going to get to all of you straight ahead. So hang in there. Don't go anywhere. And um, what else? Oh, and visit the website. Yeah, that's right. Rich Valdez, AmericaAtNight.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And of course, if you want to vote for the podcast, feel free to do that at PodcastAwards.com and follow the instructions once you click on that blue box. All right. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. I am Rich Valdez, and we are just about halfway through. We still have about half of Open Phone America, so don't go anywhere. All right, America, welcome back. And Kamala Harris, uh, who I like to call Kemala Harris, the vice president of the United States. Uh, actually, you know, when we talk about Kemala Harris, I like to always come in with a 
little Kamala Harris song that we made on the air. Uh, let us cue up the song and hit it. Kamala, 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 Kamala. That's the Kamala Harris song. Kamala, it is how bad she is. Kamala, Kamala, it is. Kamala, it is. Kamala, Kamala, So, Kemala Eris, the Vice President of the United States, she's back at it, and she had some interesting things to say. She was on, uh, where was she? Let's see. Kamala Harris was on ABC News yesterday, and she was asked if her low polls are because of race, her race. (laughs) Um, And she says that her approval ratings are just great. Check this out. There are reports to say that you have the lowest approval rating of any vice president. I'm curious how much of a role, if any, that you feel race and gender play in that. Well, there are polls that also say I have great approval ratings. I think the point that has to be made is that there are attempts to create distractions away from the accomplishments of our administration. Let me tell you, I'm giving point to Kamala Harris, right? Because Kamala Harris... That was, in my opinion, the right thing to answer. Um, She should not have taken the bait. Uh, Actually, I would have pushed back on Lindsay Davis uh, when she asked her that question, saying, you know, um, how much of a role, if any, do you feel race and gender play? Uh, I think she should have said none. And, you know, I'm insulted, you know, like Greta Thunberg. How dare you? You know, she should have really pushed back because, to say that people don't like Kamala Harris because she's a black or be a woman or vice versa. That's a crazy kind of question to ask. Right. And I guess it's, it's a way out for her, for her miserable performance because she happens to be a woman of color and we've never had one before in that position. So when you say lady in the entire 247 years of this country, nobody's ever done this miserably with an approval rating in the office of vice president. And I'm talking about Dan Quayle, who couldn't spell potato. So how is it that you managed to mess this thing up? And she could have gone that route and said, well, you know, it's because I'm a woman and I, I am a woman of color. But she didn't go there. And I'm glad she didn't. Because I would have turned around and said, lady, you're a woman of color and you're vice president of the United States. Let's let that not be lost on us. But I think her response was great, that it's a distraction and blah, blah, blah. Do I agree? No, but I think it was a good response. And she's getting better at at talking because I don't think she's a great talker. Uh, Just being frank here. And I'm not frank. I'm rich. But let us um, let us go to your uh, calls. And also, I just wanted to share with you uh, this this quick story here. Half of the Democrat primary voters right now is a brand new poll. They want anybody other than Joe Biden. (laughs) Half of likely Democrat uh, voters say that the party needs to nominate someone other than Joe Biden to run for the 2024 White House race, according to that poll. And that's a New York Times Siena poll. 50% want someone else. 45% um, want Joe Biden. But 50% say no thank you. So that's uh, where we're at. Let's uh, go to Derek. He's in Jamestown, New York, WJTN. Go right ahead, Derek. Welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey. Um, 
I am the original, your original amigo. Uh, I'm African-American, 63 years old, legally blind, live in Jamestown. And uh, I just want to say to you, Rich, um, the, you're a Christian, right? Uh, yes, sir. Right. And I'm going to, um, in defense of Kamala, in defense of all humanity, that includes the president and those two particularly, uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 20 through 22, talks about in abundance of words, there are transgressions. And you being in the media and you talking, that's good. You do have abundance of words, you know, and, and a lot of them are good. You're very resourceful, and I'm a first-time caller and all that good stuff. But in your capacity, in your status, and your influence, uh, speaking, saying negative things about Kamala is not good. Saying negative things about the president is not good. The names, the name that you gave the president, that's not good. Um, this song and pointing out Kamala's, uh, yeah, when she talks, she, you know, her talking conversation like that, she, she might not be impressive, but she's a very hellified speaker. And I, you, you can feel Kamala when she speaks. And I know you admire her in a lot of ways. And you gave her some compliments, <laughs> which is right. And that, and that is right. She, she, she could have, she could have bit the bait and said, yeah, because she know, you know, that it, because of uh, she being African American woman, black woman, which out of the genetic, hold on to your seat, because we're going to take off here on some scientific stuff. And all you scientists on the line, listen close. Out of the genetic phylum, phylum, P-H-Y-L-U-M, the genetic phylum, according to the genetic phylum, Kamala Harris is your mother, the original black woman. And so the disrespect of the woman and the man are from, from who you know where, from the power elite, Okay, we're talking about the power elite with these polls. Mm -hmm. These statistics don't mean nothing. But the power elite, the white male, he's the problem on the earth right now. That power elite, white male, he's inebriated with power. He never had it before. He's a baby. Historically, he's a baby. All of you that listen to Rich and come on, you're my amigo, I'm your amigo, and and what's you know, and all that stuff. They need to to to, to deal with the reality that they're killing the Puerto Ricans and the blacks right now. How are who, who's killing the Puerto Ricans and blacks, Derek? Who's doing it? The police. That's who's doing it. They got an agenda. Right, well, hold on. Before we get into the police, because you're talking about a lot of things here. So uh, I want to go back. Cause Kamala Harris is my mother. That was that was a good one. Um, and I appreciate a lot of what you said. It was it was very interesting. But uh, what, what I'm saying here is we are allowed in life to have an opinion, right? So in so much as having an opinion matters, the, my opinion of Joe Biden is not a very positive one. I can't sit here and say good things about a guy who I think is doing a, a bad job as president, Derek. Yes, but I want to say this. 
we all came out of the womb as innocent children. What happened on the way to grandma's house is another story. Joe Biden is no exception. He was born a little baby innocent like you, me, and every human. But it, am I arguing that he was born an innocent child? I'm arguing that he is an 80-something-year-old man that's unfit for command. Yeah, what does is, one have to do with the other? What's good, what's good about this? Because we all inherit this, this sin in this system. Okay? Right, but I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about their incompetence in office. This is a, purely a job function. I'm not here to judge them. I'm not their judge. I'm not their jury. I'm not their God. Right? I believe, just like you quoted Proverbs, I'll quote First John 1, 9. And I believe if we confess our sins to God, he's a just God, a faithful God, he'll cleanse us and, and forgive us in all of his righteousness from all of our unrighteousness. However, that's not my job. I'm not here to offer absolution. I'm here to offer opinion and to be entertaining and informative. And ultimately, that's the goal. And I hope that I meet the goal, uh, but I'm not here to, um, to condemn Biden. He does that all on his own. Anyway, Derek, thank you so much for the call. We'll get into the uh, police um, and killing the blacks and the Puerto Ricans another day. I have to hit a break right here, but I do appreciate it. Keep listening and keep calling in. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Right. Very interesting conversation. I love it when the callers uh, disagree. I always bring them to the front of the line, give them as much time as possible, because I love to hear that. But as you can see, people that disagree will come start with one line of thinking and end with, you know, three or four different other ones. And it's, it's kind of hard to keep up, but I do appreciate the call. Big shout out to Derek listening from WJTN in New York. All right. Let us... Um, continue let's go to reading pennsylvania great station w-e-e-u katie you're on with rich valdez go right ahead thank you hey hi rich hi everybody um i just wanted to remind you rich about a time kind of a, a little while ago kind of mm -hmm. before trump got to be president and i remember oh boy do i remember exactly where i was what time of day it was et cetera, et cetera. when and you're talking about how they want to describe us as bad people but they can't that's because Hillary already did it, dude. How much better <laughs> right? could you have possibly gotten in deplorables? Right, we're a basket of deplorables. That's exactly. so true. And oh, oh, I was sitting in front of my house with the radio on, and I was like, oh, I love And people are looking at me like, did you hear what she said? Like, and I you're right, and, and it, it, this is something that's gone on for a long time, Katie, right? And then it, uh, at the same time or around the, that year or year after, 
Uh, there was uh, President Obama saying they're a bunch of bitter clingers to their Bibles and their guns. Uh, it, th- these are just interesting characterizations. They trashed the Tea Party as extremists before there was MAGA. It was the Tea Party. And and this goes back to, you know, before I even got into politics. And and it's just it's at a fever pitch now, though, I have to say. It's almost like now if you if you use the word Republican, it's synonymous with people on the outside as racist. They're like, you're a Republican, like literally. Um, you know, I, I, um, was like on a date and and I was asked, so you're like a Republican, but you're not like a racist. Right. And and I was really taken aback, but I realized a lot of people are apolitical and they don't care about politics and they only go by the five minutes that they hear on the news. And if, you know, you're, you're not paying attention to, you know, listening to Fox and Newsmax and MSNBC and CNN and comparing the two to try to find the truth in the middle, um, you're busy raising your family and doing what you got to do with your career, you can get lost in the sauce. And and that's most people. Most people don't care about this stuff. And it, it was just interesting to me um, because it was came from a sincere place. It wasn't a mean thing at all. And I, I, I realized we have a lot of work to do with our media and how we um, communicate with our fellow Americans, Katie. Oh, I agree. And I also agree. Um, I also, the day that she called us a bunch of deplorables, I thought to myself, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because if this ain't the stimulus that's going to get people going again, I can't imagine what could possibly, what it could possibly be. Right. Yeah. And, and look at the evolution, right? So we went from being a basket of deplorables uh, and bitter clingers of guns and Bibles to now we are domestic violent extremists. MAGA Republicans, extreme MAGA agenda, right? I mean, it's just amazing. Things like, you know, giving parents a a school choice. Uh, It it just always amazes me. It really does. The fact that we'll we'll never fight dirty like they do. And that's why it's effective because people are essentially calling names from one side to the other. And the other side's like, yeah, whatever. Blow it, you know, blow it out your ear end, pal. And, and we, we just ignore it because we're like, hey, get off my back, out of my pocket, leave me alone, and, you know, lower taxes. So <laughs> I get it. I do get it. And I thank you for the call, Katie. I do appreciate it. We're coming right back with the rest of your calls. Uh, let's see, South Carolina, Ohio, Montana, coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we are working, we are working on getting Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, to come on the program. He is incarcerated, so it may not be that easy, but we are working on that. And uh, I will keep you posted on any progress that we make. Now, let us uh, quickly go to Frank in Akron, Ohio. W-N-I-R. Go right ahead. Yeah, am I coming in okay? You sound terrific, like you're a radio broadcaster. Oh, well, I'm not, but I'm feeling (laughs) kind of froggy. You fooled me. I'm feeling a little froggy. Uh, just a shout out to Derek. You know, 
we're not we're not in the upper room with a bunch of apostles here. We're right. trying to take our country back, and uh, mm-hmm. all the things that you know. You're an information line, and, and you do a great job. You know, workman oh, is worthy you. of his hire, and it's a wonderful talk program. Uh, uh, you know, the righteous exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I don't feel like the American—I feel like the American people know that this country has become more unrighteous and trying to steal our liberties away and our rights. And uh, moving farther away and farther away from what this country was founded on, and the principles that this uh, country was founded upon. You know, Frank, I think you're 100 percent right. Uh, I think more and more people are realizing that. And really quick, just interesting story here. Let me see if I still have it open. Check this out. Listen to this. This is in the Hill, uh, but it was in a few other outlets. High school boys are now trending more conservative than ever before. Uh, there's a popular narrative that suggests that young people are liberal, but it's getting uh, and getting more liberal. However, uh, according to information that was, I guess, discovered on Reddit of all the most credible places, uh, <laughs> there's a uh, respected federal survey of American youth. And it says that 12th grade boys are nearly twice as likely to identify as a conservative rather than a liberal. And I think that is uh, the first step in bringing the country back to the center in um, in so much as politically speaking that we can take is getting to our youth and allowing them to have the choice to figure out which direction they want to go in. Because I feel like right now they don't have a choice. It's kind of like you're either this or you're evil. <laughs> and by evil, I mean conservative, Republican, you know, anything but a a a left-leaning progressive. So thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. I don't know if we're going to have time to get to everybody else. Frank in Evergreen, Montana says that we've got, well, you say it very quickly, Frank. Go right ahead. Yeah, we've got an epidemic here in Montana of syphilis and gonorrhea. In Yellowstone County, it's almost 500% higher than it was a year ago. And it's, uh, you know, this is from, Having sex with cattle and sheep. And- oh, my goodness. Cattle and sheep. What's going on in Evergreen, Montana? Frank, you know, we did a story on this, and you're right. It's going not so much in uh, in Montana, but in other places, I saw that it was going up absolutely crazy. And a lot of it happens in nursing homes. Maybe we need to revisit that. Anyway, I want to not end by leaving everybody on hold. Let's go to Rick in Megat, South Carolina. Very quickly, Rick. How you doing? All right, tonight? Rick. Good, good. Give me 10 seconds of the best thing you've ever said. Uh, no body and no nose. <laughs> no body and no nose. All right. Well, that means I owe you a call next time you call in. We're moving you to the front of the line. Thanks for sticking with us, Rick. I appreciate it. Big shout out to Megat, South Carolina and WTMA. Don't go anywhere, folks. There's more to come after me. Take care. Good night and God bless. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.